Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Stories of Scotland a podcast where we explore Scottish history, environments, and folklore. I'm Jenny, an intergalactic cargo ship. And I'm Annie, a beam of light that will lift you weightlessly into the sky. And in this episode, we're discussing a mysterious global phenomenon and how it centres on one wee Scottish village. Yes, this week we are embracing this most spooky time of year, and exploring some unexplainable phenomena in the skies of Scotland. Tell me, Annie, I know you like dark tourism, but what do you think about dark sky tourism? Oh, I do love going to an area that has very little light pollution and marvelling at the vastness of the stars and the universe. Well, there is a place in Scotland that is truly out of this world. For the past 30 years, this area has had so many sightings of unidentified flying objects that it's known as the Roswell of Scotland. But this is no uninhabited desert, nor is it near a top-secret military base. It is, in fact, Bonnie Bridge. Bonnie Bridge? That's the wee town near Falkirk, right? Yep. And what is Falkirk famous for? Well, the Falkirk Wheel, of course. Mm-hmm. Which connects a couple of canals, doesn't it? Yes, the beloved Falkirk Wheel, one of the greatest engineering feats of this century. But, as cool as it is, it's not nearly spooky enough for this episode, so we shall have to resort to Falkirk's second most famous shape, the Falkirk Triangle. The Falkirk Triangle? Alright, Annie, okay, don't give me that tone. This is serious scientific business. Oh, oh, it's scientific, is it? <laughs> okay, do you have some trigonometry for me to go along with this triangle? Uh, some 
tessellation mayhaps. Mm. Do you even have a ruler on your person? Look, Annie, all right? I'm not a math teacher, but I do know a triangle when I see one. And this one lies between Stirling, Fife and Edinburgh. And right at the heart of it is Bonnie Bridge. No, Jenny, look at this map. Falkirk is not even within this triangle. Yes, true, but the Falkirk parallelogram doesn't have the same ring to it. (laughs) No, this is going to be one of those episodes, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But to be fair, to be fair, there are also many different variations of this triangle. Each source I look at seems to draw it differently. Stirling is usually always the topmost northern point. Some have Bonnie Bridge, the village, as the southwestern corner, and others it stretches all the way down to Glasgow, which is a lot further. Sometimes Falkirk is the third corner on the southeastern side, but sometimes this lies in the outskirts of Edinburgh. But if you do look at it on a map, it's basically the rural area between Stirling, Glasgow, and Edinburgh. Falkirk is on the eastern edge and Bonnie Bridge is near the northern point. I feel like you've spent a lot of time on cartography for something that makes no sense at all. <laughs> if any listeners following along understood what Jenny just said, you deserve a medal. Again, not a maths teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so you've drawn something potentially triangular. Yeah. And now we're hoping to see something in the sky. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, But within the lines of this very well-drawn triangle, Annie, for over 30 years, there have been thousands of reports of unidentified objects hovering, flying, darting and swooping through the sky. And not to forget, abducting unsuspecting folks too. I think I've been abducted unsuspecting into a UFO episode. (laughs) Big thanks to our sponsors of this episode, Weebox, who managed to pack the joy and excitement of this beautiful country into a wonderful Wee Box. Weebox is a monthly subscription gift box that is designed to share Scotland with Scots and Scots at heart all over the world. Weebox select delights that are often exclusive or can't be bought outside of Scotland. It's a fantastic gift and great value for money. Plus, Weebox supports Scottish businesses, artisans, the environment and charities too, which are all things that we adore. Visit weebox.co.uk and use code STORY10, that's STORY10, at the checkout for an exclusive discount. Yay, Weebox! Yay for Weebox! I'm not going to lie, folks. I absolutely hate UFO stories. (laughs) It's going to be fun. (laughs) I took so much convincing from Jenny to allow this onto our series at all. I basically just drew so many triangles she gave up and allowed me to do it. (laughs) I mean, I believe there very well could be other life in the multiverse somewhere. But these aliens probably stopped by Earth in the Jurassic period and assumed we were a gorgeous planet of beautiful big dinosaurs and then left us alone. And I can't believe I'm going to have to endure UFO sightings centred around the wee town of Bonnie Bridge. This is my idea of a nightmare. 
This is the opposite podcast I've ever wanted to make. This is all I've ever wanted to do in my life. <laughs> so, so at least we're being somewhere in the middle of the Falkirk parallelogram. <laughs> and endure it you will, Annie. Because my theory is that Bonnie Bridge is like an alien garage where they stop for petrol and pre-made sandwiches while they're on the way to Roswell. It's only four miles south of the much bigger Falkirk, so while it is a wee village, it's not particularly remote. It also has a very rich industrial history, as it lies at the cross-section between different canals, railways and roads. And so it is very well connected to not just the outside world, but apparently the other world as well. Oh yes, Jenny. The great intergalactic canal system of the Central Belt. You laugh, Annie. All right, I hear that tone. But some of the sightings report seeing objects the shape of gondolas floating through the sky, so maybe it is an intergalactic canal. Okay, so if we're (laughs) going to do this, let's rip this plaster off. Just tell me about some of these UFO sightings. Jenny, why is the Falkirk parallelogram so well known? Because it's so well drawn. (laughs) (laughs) Reports of strange objects in the night skies above the Falkirk Triangle started in the mid-70s and on the 9th of November 1979. Perhaps the most well-known incident of all took place. A forester, very trustworthy people foresters, called Bob Taylor was out doing a site inspection and checking for stray sheep near the M8 motorway in the mid-morning. Although Bob himself states that the sheep very rarely made it into the woodland, he was diligently checking for them nevertheless. Perhaps he enjoyed being in amongst the lovely trees and the fresh aroma of the forest, like a newly opened dangly car air freshener blowing in the wind. But little did Bob realise his life was about to change forever. As he approached a clearing in the dense forest, instead of butterflies and daisies basking in the low winter sun, he found a huge spaceship basking in the low winter sun. A few days later, the West Lothian Courier reported... Forest worker Bob Taylor this week told of his frightening encounter with a spacecraft. He claimed that he came upon the craft in a clearing at Dechmont Law, near Deerhill, Livingston. Two robot-like creatures came towards him and tried to force him into their craft. Bob, 61, held up a rough drawing he had made of the craft, a grey machine between 20 to 30 feet wide and with a finish like sandpaper. The two robots were shaped like landmines, but with longer spikes, which they used for walking, making a suction-like noise. Bob then said he passed out, and then when he came to, the ship had gone, and he could only hear his dog barking. He wasn't able to drive, so he walked to his home with his trousers torn. His boss said, I must admit... I had been very sceptical, but I was astonished to find very pronounced indentations at the place. They looked as if a bulldozer had been placed and then lifted for the spot, without any tracks leading to or from the marks. Hmm? He added that. There were 
triangular hoof marks near the very point where the other marks lay. Can I just confirm, these are markings on the ground, aren't they? Yeah, so if you imagine a forest clearing, the ground is sort of soft and grassy in there. And they're claiming what they've seen is like some massive machine has been plonked straight down and left these big indentations in the ground, but then been lifted straight out. There's no like track marks a tractor would make or a caterpillar machine would make. So it's like a a singular footprint that they're imagining a spaceship would leave in the woods. Okay, imagining. Um, This is evidence, Annie. Hard evidence etched into the very earth itself. Does the article say anything else? Oh, it keeps going. (laughs) This this is a big piece. This is like page nine. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Taylor told pressmen that the two robots had given off an acrid smelling gas, which he believes knocked him out. He said, I don't think that they were out to do me any harm, but I was very frightened. I am a countryman and I have never seen anything like this before. I was mesmerised, mesmerised by that thing sitting about 12 feet away from me. A police person said, Mr Taylor is a wholly respectable person and his integrity is not in any doubt. We are still investigating his report. This incident clearly shocked Mr Taylor so much that he could not keep his accent consistent. (laughs) (laughs) Annie, if that's anything, it's yet more further proof that this was a real alien encounter. But let's rewind a wee minute there. The police became involved in this. Oh yeah, yeah. So when Bob awoke in the clearing, his trousers were in tatters and he was covered in cuts and bruises. He couldn't get his truck to start and so he had to stumble about a mile home. His wife saw the state of him and immediately thought he'd been attacked. And so she called a doctor and the police. All Bob was interested in was getting some water to quench his unbelievable thirst and his spinning head. His wife sounds like the most sensible person in this story. Oh, his wife is brilliant. She was interviewed for a strange but true TV show episode. And in that, she says, He looked at me quite shocked and he was drained. He was right white and his face was dirty. I asked him, was it the truck? Did you have a crash? And he said, I've been attacked. And I said, what with? And he said, a spaceship. And I said, oh goodness me, there's no such thing as a spaceship. I'm going to phone the doctor. You must have fell and hurt your head. Again, she sounds like the most sensible person in all of this podcast. Yeah, I think that's good. She'll probably remain a constant throughout. (laughs) (laughs) But the police arrived and Bob sort of regained himself and he took them back to the clearing where they fenced it off and observed the weird grooves in the ground. The police recorded the incident as assault by person or persons unknown and... It's the only time an alien sighting has ever been part of a criminal investigation in Scotland. All in a hard day's forestry. Tell me about it, ma'am. So, for me, it's clear that something horrible did happen to poor Bob. Yeah, his favourite trousers were ruined. Turning up at home, bloodied, disorientated and with his clothes in tatters. 
He clearly did not have a good morning. Mm. And I can see why his wife called the doctor and the police and why everyone took his distressing situation so seriously. Mm-hmm. They call me a sceptic. <laughs> but I just can't get behind an attempted alien abduction in a forest off the M8 motorway. I feel like on the balance of likelihoods, he was probably hit by a car and then they didn't stop and help him because that certainly explains the lights in front of his face. However, you've also been searching for explanations, Jenny, from some rather suspicious places, I might add. (laughs) But explanations that aren't aliens for this bizarre encounter. So what have you come up with? Well, uh, a sceptic I shall call you, Annie, because I don't see why there shouldn't be an alien abduction just off the M8. It's a very practical spot. Uh, Quick abduction in the woods and then you can head into Glasgow for a pint. It's very practical. I don't think that aliens in a spacecraft actually need to care much for motorway traffic, Jenny. Nah, Annie, they are suckers for the highway code. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, the explanations that folk have come up with for this encounter honestly seem weirder than an alien craft in the woods. (laughs) One science fiction writer suggested the theory that very specific solar system-wide light spectrals all aligned in the very clearing that Bob stumbled upon at the exact moment he entered, resulting in Bob seeing a mirage of the planet Venus. This makes no sense, and I refuse to entertain this theory any further. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Well, um... More plausible explanations are that despite not being epileptic, poor Bob had an epileptic fit, or that he accidentally ate some belladonna berries in the woods. Now, both of these could have similar effects, such as hallucinations, passing out, dizziness, disorientation, extreme thirst, and torn trousers. I still don't think these are very likely. I mean, you've worked in forestry for years... Do you know any foresters that would just eat poisonous berries on a whim? Berries, no. Mushrooms, however. Depends how the day's going. Be careful for poisonous mushrooms, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And do we have any other theories about Bob's spaceship episode? Um, My personal one? Um, There is the one that floats around saying that he just wanted a week off work and the whole thing got a bit out of hand. He does seem like a trustworthy guy, though. Mm, With a name like Bob. (laughs) Stable Bob. And a wife like that. (laughs) Trustworthy Bob, we call him. I actually, I once had a colleague call in a bomb hoax threat to my work building just to get a day off work. Oh my gosh, no. And and the whole building was evacuated. Yeah. And we all got the afternoon off work. Nice, actually, taking one for the team planting one for the team (laughs) the worst thing though is she did it twice and the police caught her the second time oh no and she lost her job i mean oh no but also oh yes that is very illegal it was scary so some people do go to extremes instead of just feigning a headache like everyone else Mm. but i can't wrap my head around anyone going as far as Blaming aliens so that they can leave their sheep-searching shift early. And the thing is with this story, I guess we'll just never know what it is. 
and I think that still leaves the door very much open to an alien spaceship and its little landmine babies trying to abduct Bob in the forest. Actually, we do know, and we can rule out, that it was an alien spacecraft. <laughs> we do know, and we can rule out But this event was by no means the last reported sighting in the Falkirk Triangle. In fact, by the 1990s, it had reached a fever pitch. There were public meetings with entire auditoriums filled with UFO witnesses and concerned locals. Bonnybridge even featured in Japanese and American documentaries and gained a reputation as one of the biggest UFO hotspots in the entire world. Some of the other sightings include three cleaners who were on their way to work when they saw five UFOs floating and darting through the sky. When they got to their work, they told their manager what they'd seen and the manager thought this was kind of funny and was chatting to some other employees about it later on in the day. But he stopped laughing when they too told him that they had been seeing flashing lights and strange orange orbs in the sky in the same area for the past week. So this is multiple people all claiming to have seen strange things in the sky at the same place over the same period of time. We also have a mother and daughter who saw a bright red and white triangle dotted with lights hanging stationary in the sky. Two young men saw a 30-foot hovering object above the road in front of them and they were interviewed for the documentary we watched as well and they seemed quite scarred by it really. It was emotionally quite traumatising for them, the whole incident. We also have a family that had a spaceship land near their home and they described a big blue light which filled the roadway and a whirring noise and the sound of a door opening. (laughs) (laughs) Creaky wooden back door. The other one is this. That's what I imagine it sounded like. There are also some really fun 90s home video clips as well that show strange things darting through the skies of Bonnie Bridge. Wow. I mean, that's that's a lot of lights in the sky, though I must say about half of these just sound like the, the towns put up their Christmas light selection. <laughs> and they've got blown away in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a lot of sightings, and this is just a very small sort of uh, number that I've picked. But some people believe that up to half of the folk in Bonnybridge claim to have seen a UFO of some sort. No, this is inaccurate reporting because they are counting the sightings as a percentage of the population of Bonnybridge. Mm. However, I think that many of the Bonnybridge UFO sightings are coming from UFO tourists. People flooding to Bonnybridge the same way that a group of bird watchers would flood into an area to see a beautiful little egret. I mean, Annie, come on, loosen up a little bit. Is there any aspect of this you aren't sceptical about? All these people can't be lying. The only thing I really believe in is your enthusiasm right now, Jenny. (laughs) I can support your UFO dreams, but I'll never believe in them. Well, I'm not alone. In November 1992, the Daily Record reported, A hotline has been set up for people who reckon they have seen a UFO. This follows an upsurge of recent sightings, including a gondola-shaped object over High Bonnybridge, Stirlingshire. Stirling University's Ron Halliday, 43, who is setting up the hotline, 
said he is puzzled by these, but that most sightings have a logical explanation. The hotline number is 0426-983-401. Halliday reasons it's possible that Scotland acts as a window into other worlds of other dimensions, but I do understand the scepticism as, uh, as it is hard to believe. I'm just going to highlight here that Ron Halliday worked in university administration <laughs> and was simply a UFO enthusiast in his spare time. The University of Stirling did not set up an academic department <laughs> to look into UFO sightings. <laughs> and unfortunately for us, I know you're going to be devastated. I looked up the number and it's a number from the 90s that no longer... <gasps> works it's no longer active no no, i was really looking forward to to calling it and and asking some questions about mysterious objects in the sky it'll never be jenny it'll never be (sighs) if anyone wants to set up a hotline for jenny to call (laughs) to ask ufo questions please just just email us a number and she'll be phoning it and annie will delete the email before i have time to read it (laughs) (laughs) but in this hotline's heyday Ron Halliday received hundreds of calls and he went on to write a few books about the phenomena. And I bet this hotline provided ample source material. I feel like Ron Halliday got a lot of prank calls. <laughs> I think a lot of people would have been making a cruel joke at poor Ron Halliday's expense. I think Ron Halliday has the wits about him to be able to filter out the fake prank calls from the real, legitimate UFO sightings. This man's a professional when it comes to writing books about UFOs in Scotland. Plus, we've got all of the folks reading about the UFO gatherings in the newspapers and then actively just looking at the sky, waiting and wanting to see something odd. Yeah. And if you're looking for a sign and you see something a little bit strange, that's probably just an excited bat. An excited bat with a head torch on. (laughs) You may end up interpreting this sign as a UFO. Oh, but Annie, there were signs everywhere. It was impossible to ignore them. At one point, some locals erected a sign by some woods that said, Three alien abductions here in one week. When are the council going to do something? I mean, it makes a difference from complaints about potholes. (laughs) (laughs) If only people were this proactive about getting the potholes filled. (laughs) I mean, this is one technique. It's it's almost a form of protest Mm -hmm. to encourage the council into researching the alleged alien invasion. Well, it did kind of work. Because in October 1944... One local politician decided that something had to be done. The Dundee Courier reported, Prime Minister John Major has been asked to launch a top-level inquiry into strange sightings above a Stirlingshire town. The people of Bonnybridge claim that they have become a laughing stock for reporting a series of UFO sightings over the past two years. Their claims have sparked off a flood of interest from paranormal investigators. Now residents say they have been ridiculed for having the courage to come forward. In a letter to Prime Minister John Major, local councillor Billy Buchanan says, The local people have suffered cruelly from ridicule. Yet, 
the sightings are continuing, and people have the courage to come forward. In light of the high interest of sightings, I ask you, as Prime Minister, to order a top-level inquiry into these sightings to alleviate the fears and concerns of my constituents. Mr Buchanan added last night, The people of Bonnybridge are sick of being branded as a bunch of cranks. (laughs) I feel like you began (laughs) Buchanan's accent as quite a nasal one, Mm. but you finished it in your heart, Jenny. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. This man is passionate. However, I don't feel like our local politician is benefiting the good people of Bonnybridge with this ridiculous request. Now, don't you be saying anything against the fine folk of Bonnybridge now. Billy Buchanan really took this plea from his constituents to heart. And despite John Major ignoring his letter, he remained persistent and wrote to the next Prime Minister, Tony Blair, as well. Any reply there? Uh, No, but Billy did not waver. He waited it out and he wrote to the next Prime Minister, Gordon Brown. Any response this time around? Uh, No, but Billy stands for what he believes in and that's aliens. And so he even waits it out to write to David Cameron when he becomes Prime Minister. And did Billy get a response from David Cameron? Uh, Honestly, look, Annie, I think it's more about the sending than the receiving for this guy. (laughs) a giver not a taker (laughs) (laughs) between 1992 and 1995 there were more than 500 sightings and in a conference that was held in 1996 it was stated that there had been over 2,000 sightings reported in all and that they were most commonly seen at night time between the wee hours of 3 and 5 a.m so whether you believe in aliens or not annie you have to admit that something bizarre was happening in the skies over the Falkirk Triangle. I think the bizarre thing is more to do with us humans on the ground level than the skies above us. UFO sightings give us just enough information that whatever you think aliens might look like, based on what you've read or what you've seen on TV, your imagination can just fill in the details. It's always just vague lights and floating objects. Just? What? (laughs) (laughs) But these sightings, no matter how many thousands there may have been, they never give us something substantial or any kind of evidence beyond witness testimony. But the big marks in the ground with Bob Taylor and his torn trousers, who's going to do that to their own trousers? Bob. (laughs) Wow. Again, Annie. Cutting me deep here. The car that hit and ran away from him. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get so used to UFO sightings being purely evidenced by witness testimony that we can't think of anything else. It's time we start asking alien authorities for a higher burden of proof. Because absolutely none of this is going to stand up in court. Well, not in the court of Annie, maybe, but the court of Jenny has significantly more lenient laws, so... (laughs) Well, I know which court I'm going to to report your taxes, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, the Falkirk Triangle is located slap bang in the middle of the central belt, 
There are many airports and military bases to the east and west of the Triangle. I can see a sort of UFO frenzy being kicked off from regular air travel. But just because most can be explained doesn't mean that all can. One local said in 1996, If aliens are roaming light years across the galaxy with a choice of zillions and trillions of planets to visit, why the blazes would they want to visit Bonnie Bridge? And while it has been 30 years since the UFO boom in Bonnie Bridge, people are still looking for answers. Interestingly, there is nothing on the Bonnie Bridge Wikipedia page about this. Oh, you don't say. You don't say, Jenny. <laughs> let's, let's Google it, shall we? Okay, the Bonnie Bridge UFO incidents have been digested into a broader Wikipedia page about UFO sightings in the UK. Or it's a conspiracy, like the five-legged haggis. It's not a conspiracy. It's a cover-up. A cover-up just like the turnip wars of 1237. There were no turnip wars in 1237. Never forget. (laughs) (laughs) But it is is a very interesting thing about Bonnie Bridge that you do think they'd have a little section on their page just so it, I don't know, generates tourist interest. Maybe they're sick of it. But still, there's nothing on there. Not even a mention. To me, it sounds like they don't want you looking for aliens in Bonnie Bridge. (laughs) <laughs> the people in power just don't want you to know that Bonnie Bridge is home to an intergalactic crossroad, cross canal, and is a portal to Falkirk. <laughs> to be fair, Annie, the Falkirk wheel is such an astounding engineering feat that it has an intergalactic pull as a tourist destination. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I just want to highlight that there are plenty of interesting and beautiful things about Bonnie Bridge beyond UFOs. We have some glorious Roman archaeology, including a wee chunk of the Antonine Wall and some remnants of a Roman fort. Probably built by aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it wasn't. (laughs) A big thanks to our sponsors of this episode, Weebox who managed to pack the joy and excitement of this beautiful country into a wonderful Wee Box. Wee Box is a monthly subscription gift box that is designed to share Scotland with Scots and Scots at heart all over the world. Wee Box select delights that are often exclusive or can't be bought outside of Scotland. It's a fantastic gift and great value for money. Plus, Weebox supports Scottish businesses, artisans, the environment and charities too, which are all things that we adore. Visit weebox.co.uk and use code STORY10, that's STORY10, at the checkout for an exclusive discount. Yay, Weebox! Yay for Weebox! Well, Jenny, as any UFO enthusiast knows, 1947 was one of the biggest years for alleged alien activity. Ah, yes, the summer of 1947, also known as the 1947 Flying Disc Craze. This kicked off in the United States with Idaho pilot Kenneth Arnold citing supersonic flying saucers. The sightings were reported by international press and suddenly 
the whole world was on the lookout for unexpected objects in the sky. This led to some of the most famous alleged UFO sightings, such as the Roswell incident, which also happened in 1947. Kenneth Arnold first reported seeing this flying saucer in June 1947, and by July 1947, we already have a flying pan in Scotland. This is what we've been waiting for, Annie. The missing piece of the alien puzzle. Why did they just bring their flying saucers? What about the rest of their tableware and crockery? How will Granny Extraterrestrial Form be able to cook her intergalactic cum and skink without her favourite flying pan? Don't even get me started on the flying Dutch ovens or the flying whisks. The flying forks are all right. No more (laughs) flying forks for you, Jenny. That's what created this episode in the first place. (laughs) But here we do have a really mysterious story from 1947 of an identified flying pan. Let's get your best Edinburgh accent, Jenny. With thoughts in mind of the flying saucers, the mysterious discs which are said to be baffling Americans, a walker on Blackford Hill, Edinburgh, yesterday watched an unusual object whirling across the sky. Impelled by a strong and gusty wind, It rose and fell and weaved about the winds and the quarry. It carried an appendage. It looked, indeed, like a flying tadpole, if tadpoles could fly. (laughs) I just want to say this is some of the best journalism we've come across. It's so descriptive. It soared steeply, and after some further gyrations dived sharply to the ground with a whining, sobbing note. It was no flying saucer, but a flying frying pan. At any rate, it had once been a frying pan of the light type used by campers. While it retained a jagged part of its handle, it had been sorely bashed and flattened. Otherwise, its aerial performance might not have been so successful. (laughs) (laughs) And I am in my brain. (laughs) Now, this is the type of flying object encounter that I can believe. (laughs) Clearly identified and documented. But my favourite thing about this article is how we have a walker who's seen a lightweight camping pan blowing in the wind (laughs) and decided, this is newsworthy. I must write to the Scotsman newspaper about this incident. (laughs) I wonder how many times they wrote in with objects in the wind before the news desk needed to fill those two column inches. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting for a hot story. But there you go. Brenda's sent in a flying crisp packet again. What I love is that Scottish newspapers have been really quite diligent about their reporting of potential extraterrestrial life, such as flying pans. (laughs) For example, the Dundee Courier in 1994 reports that... Lights hovering above Puff on Thursday night convinced many members of the public that they were witnessing 
a close encounter of the third kind. The Perth office of the courier received several telephone calls from concerned residents who believe they may have witnessed a UFO. I imagine all the journalists rushing from this busy room where loads of phone calls were coming in to look out at the night sky and see glowing spacecrafts hovering over the River Tay. The mystery of the lights was described by one caller as rhythmic, pulsating lights with one bright light in the centre and then rings of lights running out from it, which got bigger and smaller. How mysterious. However, this has now been solved. Aliens from lands unknown have not chosen Tayside as the focal point of an imminent takeover of the planet. The lights were in fact strobe lights, celebrating the launch of Pilf's latest nightclub, the Ice Factory. (laughs) 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 To be fair, this is some great publicity for the Ice Factory. It was just all the ice factory bartenders calling in after seeing Brand- if Brandis crisp packet can make it into the papers, if this flying pan can make it in there, then our strobe lights are going to be front page. Front page news. <laughs> um, but the ice factory in Perth is still an active nightclub, though neither myself or Jenny has ever attended this venue. But we know that if we ever do, or dear listener, if you ever do, then you need to be on the hunt for any extraterrestrial life. I mean, to be fair, us we chooked our Highlanders with our tartan flannels on at the nightclub would be the extraterrestrial life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm outraged, but not as outraged as Graham from Dundee. Oh, there's always one. <laughs> he wrote in to the Dundee Courier in response to the Light Club Lights UFO story. And let me tell you, Jenny that Graham is indeed displeased. Sir, I am writing about a report that appeared in the Courier regarding the apparent sighting of pulsating lights hovering above Puff on the night of Thursday, October 27th. I have a few points which I feel need to be clarified. Okay, excellent, Graham. Let's hold local journalism to a high account. Let's hear your inquiries. One. Who or what organisation came to the conclusion that the lights were terrestrial in origin? Hmm? Hmm? Great start, Graham. Hmm? I enjoy the idea that we should assume any mysterious lights are extraterrestrial as a base point (laughs) and only accept the possibility that they are our own mundane earth lights after evidence has been presented. Two. Were any recognised UFO organisations or experts consulted in reaching this hypothesis? Call to action. Bring in the pseudoscientists. Three. Did the weather conditions, which were dense and low cloud cover, warrant the conclusion of nightclub lights? Hmm? 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 I'm listening, Graham. Hmm? I'm listening. There could even have been a smoke machine in the nightclub, which would have added to the denseness of the air at this point. Four, was the theory of strobe lights merely suggested for convenience, or did the evidence lend credence to the conclusion? Hmm? I mean, Hmm? 
Graham, hmm? Graham, the evidence is a whole nightclub with a massive set of lights. You can visit the nightclub and you can see the lights. It's tangible. There's so much evidence that it's too big for an evidence bag. Five. Has the sighting been reported officially to any government agency? Hmm? Ring, hmm? ring. Ring, ring. Oh, it's Graham on the phone. He's seen a nightclub again. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I would like to point out the acronym UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object. This covers a wide spectrum of unidentified phenomena which regularly appears in our skies, including astronomical, meteorological and natural occurrences. UFOs are not, as your report states, aliens from lands unknown. It is unfortunate that you chose to state this, as it lends more weight to the general amusement that surrounds the UFO phenomenon. Graham from Dundee. I know I was sceptical, but I do value people like Graham, who write into their newspapers and capture this unique side of public opinion, because it's valid. Though I'm quite dismissive of ideas around UFOs, I think that the experience of encountering or witnessing something that you believe could be extraterrestrial, I mean, it must have a phenomenal impact on a person's life. It could be awe-inspiring, or terrifying, but it must be profoundly powerful to have you questioning whether you have seen something from beyond this world or beyond this universe. I agree. Although I love UFOs and I do think they exist and are real, I don't think I'd want to see one for that very reason. It, it creates such a crater of impact mm. on people's lives. Very true. And um, we watched a few documentaries about sightings in Bonnie Bridge, and the UFO sightings changed people. And you're right, I wouldn't want that either. Mm. Um, but I, I still don't believe them. <laughs> Though, I do have, just to finish off, a little tale of a close encounter that comes from someone I know Ooh. on the west coast of Scotland. Would you like to hear... I, I'm interested in anything that would make you a believer, Annie. Okay, a final wee story for you. This might be quite unexpected, but one of my dad's friends had a supernatural experience, which I believe 100%. Alright. He had been in a trad music festival in Glenelg. I think it was probably the festival called Drams in a Field, which in its heyday was the greatest of all Scottish music festivals. <laughs> Might not have been the biggest one, but it had a great philosophy. You would drink drams in a field. Oh, I see what they did there. Yeah, yeah. What you see is what you get. So my dad's pal had drank perhaps one too many drams. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he was crossing a nearby field to head homewards into the bustling village of Glenelg. It was very late at night, and the stars were bright in the sky. Now, stars are brighter in places like this, rural places where there's no light pollution. You feel like you're looking into the whole universe. But then, 
in the darkness, my dad's friend saw a mysterious shape glowing in the field ahead. <gasps> it hovered just above the ground. Oh, man. He was curious. He went to approach it, but it kept moving further away from him. He was scared but intrigued. He had never seen anything like this before, cutting through the darkness and hovering in such a, a strange manner. He went towards the light it kept moving just out of the grasp of his vision. But eventually he ran and he caught up to it. And what he saw shocked him to his bones. Not his bones. Someone, and he didn't know who, and it could have been an alien life force, mm -hmm. had painted a poor sheep with the contents of some glow sticks, <laughs> some fluorescent glow sticks. And they had forgotten to paint its little sheepy legs, so it had the appearance of floating. Oh, yes, it's a UFO. A UFO. <laughs> <laughs> we come in fleece. <laughs> Take us to your shearer. <laughs> it's a space sheep. A space sheep. <laughs> Gonna pass the flying mint saucer. <laughs> Can't pull the wool over my eyes. Oh my gosh, it's a moon flock, Annie. <laughs> oh, I know. I <laughs> moon flock. <laughs> I keep a very open heart towards any potential ufos if i saw something suspicious in the sky i would take as many blurry pictures as possible nothing too in focus though because that would discredit it then i would get in touch with all the media and share these pictures and my incredible account as a certified ufo spotter then i would probably start a side podcast about ufos that you would refuse to be a part of the only believable bit about this is that I would definitely refuse to be part of that podcast. <laughs> because the more we talk about UFOs, the more I become a ghost of my former self. <laughs> ah, well, funny you should mention ghosts, Annie, because tis the season for wee ghosties. And with Samhain and the jangling of the beaded curtain just around the corner, if there's any time to change your mind about ghosts, it's now. You've managed to get through a whole UFO episode. Do you think you could make it through a haunted one too? The thing that's haunting me, Jenny, is your Dundonian accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, how about this? If you agree to do a spooky episode with me for next week, I will tell you my very own story of being haunted, which is 100% real and I 100% believe that I was haunted. This actually makes me less likely to agree. <laughs> but since you've written it in such large letters on the calendar, <laughs> Halloween ghost episode, I guess we can't pull out now. <laughs> mm -mm. And if we do do it, then we'll have some more regular episodes, which is what we're aiming for. We'll be as regular as the UFO sightings in the skies above the Falkirk parallelogram. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, kind friends. This has, annoyingly for me, been a lot of fun and very good crack. <laughs> yes, just wait for the ghosties. <laughs> if you'd like to support us as we get haunted, then you can follow us on all of the social medias. Give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on. And if you're feeling extra out of this world, you can write us a smashing review as well. 
And if you're feeling out of this galaxy, you can join up to our Patreon and support us as we continue looking into the weird and wonderful world of Scottish history, mythology, and whatever we spoke about today. Ufology. (laughs) (laughs) Just head on over to patreon.com slash stories of Scotland and you can sign up and get access to lots of strange little Scottish tales. So thanks to our latest patrons... Ian, Joey and Carly, Ailey, Alistair, Meredith and Little Max, that's my new nephew, Alicia, Edmund, Como Rebbe, Joe, Emma and Rebecca. Welcome all. I like to think of you as beings of light, but not nightclub lights of Perth. I'll think of you as the merry dancers, the northern lights. In Shetland, the Aurora Borealis is called the Merry Dancers. And there's a lovely little bit of folklore about these lights being the elves or fairies who were trapped in the sky and so spend all of their time Kaylee dancing. We play with all kinds of lights in the sky. We change the bulbs of the stars and we use the moon as our own personal cheese board (laughs) or tofu board on Tuesdays for all of our vegan merry dancers. Sometimes we play tennis or badminton with the stars, and when we miss a shot, they fall to the earth and people get to wish upon them. Or report to their local newspaper about them. (laughs) Brenda, it's a crisp packet. (laughs) We watch Star Trek and then we go on a star hike. Of all the Scottish myths... I think the dancers of the Northern Lights are the most likely to get to visit another planet. So perhaps we can check out their atmospheres. And whenever we get bored of the vastness of the universe, we can just pop back down to Earth and head to our favourite discotheque in Perth. (laughs) And when we disco, we meet up with all of our sheep friends because they are always glowing for a party. Ready for a rave. We eat mooncakes and star fruits and we drink tea made from rabbit tea mm. with milk from the Milky Way. All right. <laughs> that sounds delightful and very much like alien activity. Until next time, Slangeva. Slangeva. been attacked and I said what with and he said a spaceship is (laughs) 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 it was scary because she actually planted a coke bottle with some wires in it to make it look like a bomb (laughs) she'd have better luck if she just had a coke bottle with some mentos in it (laughs) (laughs) it's not funny That's what the police said. (laughs) Let's get your best Edinburgh accent, Jenny. (laughs) It's English. (laughs) (laughs) So so you mean my best Kent accent? (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.